1: Get off your computer, go and play outside. The Square Ball
2: Podcast.
3: We are closing in on the big one. It's the 95th Squareball Podcast. Welcome along. I'm Dan, and with me is Michael. Hello. And Moscow White. Hello there. Well, the season is charging forward uh, relentlessly. We're on to issue two of the fanzine now. 84 pages, full colour. Moscow. Not again.
2: Yeah, no. No. Moscow, tell me about it. We said we would never do 84 pages again. In fact, we said we'd never do 84 pages. And now we've done it twice. More lies. It's very good. In the spirit of, uh, of being up to date and letting things go easily, uh, it's got stuff about Tony Yaboa playing for Saarbrucken which is before he ever came to Leeds. Um, mention of, we're following Steve Morrison's career at Millwall. Looking at Massimo Cellino trying to buy Fernando Fostieri, who? or Who? However it's pronounced. <laughs> um, I think it's Ajos. Is, how it's pronounced. <laughs> There's no actual Nicky Ajos content in here, I don't think. I think we're saving the tributes for next time to continue the happy spirit of it was not clinging on to the past in any way whatsoever. I do give him a brief mention, actually. Is that in Tactics Truck, or is it the article about the Red Shoe Diaries? Uh, it's neither. Oh, okay. You'll have so to How have you it. snuck another article in there? It looks beautiful as well. There's actually, there's a, like a double-page poster of Tony Oboa in the middle.
3: You could take that out carefully, mm-hmm.
2: unfolding the staples, taking care not to rip it, and then you could blue-tack that on your wall. And then you'd have a magazine with some pages missing in the middle, but because it's only two quid, you could just buy another one. Cheap That is cheap. Cheap twice is. the price. Not as cheap as it used to be, but it's still, you know, relatively inexpensive. Maybe that's how how we have to describe it now. We're no longer the cheap Fantine, with the modestly priced, but great value. You can get that at Ellen Road on Saturday, and you can
3: buy it online at thesquareball.net. Same place for your subscriptions too.
2: White watching.
3: God, this seems like we're going away back now, um, because we missed a week. Bristol City away, Sheffield Wednesday at home, and then the victory, hooray, finally a victory at Derby. This spell started out with the most Leeds-like thing in the world, the draw at Bristol, on Wednesday the 19th of August. Uh, Brilliant counter-attacking performance, away from
2: home, looked like we'd stolen the points, and then we just totally leads it in. The best away performance there never was. It was almost so good, everybody was so happy, 2-0 up away. Only Bristol, but you know, you beat what's in front of you, or you don't. You just draw with them sickeningly because your goalkeepers an absolute fool.
1: There was uh, a lot of finger pointing going on on Twitter after this one, and and rightly so. When you <laughs> see the, I mean, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lead a lead a mob and into some into some nasty insults. But uh, it was Rehobker esque mm. his, his performance in the, the last well five minutes, two minutes, however many however many minutes it
2: was, we managed to throw it away. Fair, there was a lot before. Well, not a lot, but there were moments before that. I remember him struggling in a one-on-one. I think and Bamba just looking at him from behind. You know, Silvestri does that kind of confident thing where he's looking around at everybody, going like, "What's the problem?" Bamba is behind him, just looking at the back of his head as if I fucking hate you so much right now. <laughs> um, and he hadn't even let a goal in at that point. Well, Chris Wood broke his
3: dog. That's one point which was uh, nice to talk about. Um, and Antonucci good, passed. Good, Yes, good breakaway goal. That was surprising, given how much we'd sort of pasted him for being a bit of a greedy twat. Was it a pass or was it a misplaced shot? <laughs> <laughs> it can be either. Let's, get, let's give him the benefit of the doubt in this case. Um, and that was good. But yeah, when we went 2-1, when we went back to 2-1, you
1: just... It was absolutely inevitable. You just knew. Goal. You knew, didn't yeah. you?
2: Because our odds to win this game were ridiculous. And I had a feeling we'd play well. So I put a whole £10 on Leeds United to win this. I remember even... What odds? Something like 3-1. to Something good. I don't don't even know. Is that good? Does that make sense? In a a two-horse
3: race, it's not bad, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's still the draw as a third outcome.
2: I think I did. I mean, I can check my Betfair account if you want. And I remember tweeting when the first goal went in. No, it was when injury time was announced. That um, a nation hovers nervously with its thumb over the cash out button because I knew at that point I was just saying goodbye to a tenner, but I just let it go, let it go.
1: It was a strange game because they had a, an awful lot of possession, but well, they didn't really have any chances throughout the whole game until we decided to give them some. We were never we never sounded massively under the cosh. It wasn't like one of those one of those games where they pepper in the goal with shots or anything until such a point as, you know, we just, we just were our own worst enemies.
3: Well, fast forward to the weekend after then, more more recent times and, and the more memorable game. Sheffield Wednesday, live on Sky, um, some bloke scored a, a a decent goal. Goal of the century if Sky, to be believed.
1: It was not fair, really, because the game was not of a quality that deserved a goal like that, which leads me to think it was a miss hit.
3: They were Wednesday. I mean, I know, obviously, this is from a position of bias, but Wednesday were very, they were very turgid. I think I saw them described on Twitter as joyless. And that was that was a pretty fair and accurate description, I thought.
1: They were very tactically fouling us every time we were getting any possession and building up little moves. Just always, never proper fouls, just always little shirt pulls, little kicks. Nothing deserving of a booking, but they seemed to clock up an awful lot of them. And it just meant the
2: game was really fractured. And as such, they didn't deserve a goal that no. good. And um, what was also frustrating about it was because it didn't give Silvestri any chance. It didn't give us the opportunity to blame Silvestri. <laughs> so we were robbed of our own... Uh, Our own pleasure as well. 11 to 4, apparently, my bet was at 3.75 in decimals. So it's a good return, isn't it? That potentially, um, yeah. Well, then because I'm uh foolhardy and brave, I then stuck um another tenner on us to beat Derby, so that did come in, which was 5.4 in your decimals, which is I presume that's 54 pounds you've won there. uh, 45. Well, yeah, it was 4.4 And your stake. And your stake back. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so... In Moscow, why are you betting? You do not understand it. <laughs> well, as I understand it, if I put some money in and then Leeds United win a football match and I get some money for it, See, I, nothing I, I, can possibly go wrong in that plan, as far as I'm aware.
1: I always go for the opposite approach. I've very rarely backed Leeds. I've backed the opposition on multiple occasions, just to, just as insurance.
3: I can understand that betting against Leeds thing, easy, because um, we do have a tendency to chuck stuff away with uh, unerring regularity.
2: As Bristol showed. And But this was the other way around, where it was Wednesday who threw it at us. And if their goal was spectacular, I liked our goal. Dallas chinking in off the wing, beating people.
3: He is quickly becoming my man crush. I'm a big fan of Dallas. Good player.
1: I prefer him on the right, I have to say. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the inverted wingers. Well, this one came from the right, didn't it? It did. moved did over in, cause in the Wednesday game. Uh, well, the environment was, gone
2: off. The problem with this one was poor little Adi and Calvin Fuzzy Fed Phillips um, were knackered. They, they made a big deal about how Phillips had run more. I think 13 was, kilometres, wasn't it? Yeah, he'd run more than any player in the Premier League against Bristol, and he'd presumably run a similar distance against Reading. So while Rosler was moaning about us having to play three games in a week and all that stuff, played him again. Poor little lamb was tired. And, well, not, he, got booked, know, he? he got booked, didn't he? Booked in the first minute. Yeah, and as soon as that happened, then our was
3: screwed. Yeah. So, do you, do you think it was a mistake sticking with him? Because I think there was a bit of consternation about that. If you think you're back back to the, the match itself, people were a bit, hmm. Uwe rotates
2: everything. Like, we've even had Scott Wootton come back in purely for rotation purposes. So I don't understand why you... That's wouldn't... an argument
1: against rotation.
2: I know, but I don't understand why somebody who is that committed to rotation that they would bring Wuton in suddenly has a blind spot for rotation when you've got a, a teenage boy in tears saying I can't go on anymore, I can't continue, I'm done. I thought Phillips did alright for about the first
1: 10 minutes and then yeah, he did appear to have obviously been knackered and probably should have been taken off at that stage. And I when, can see Ross's idea of that he, he's played very well and he's sticking with him and maybe you think, you know, he's a young
2: lad, he never gets tired. Well, I know from experience that that's not true. Um, and he's it was never when, been young it was when Murphy and Mowit Oddie's told me about it <laughs> it was when Murphy and Mowit came on that we suddenly looked um, effective it was Mowit who passed the ball to Dallas for the goal to get going but yeah if you're gonna start playing Dallas on the right what are you gonna do with Sam Byram you, you Byram hater it's, he's awkward as Byram at the moment. Sell, yeah. him.
1: sell him have him killed well ideally I'd like to, I think Byram is still a right back and I would like to see him play there but then Baradi. what's the problem with Berardi you Baradi hater nothing's
2: the problem with Berardi we got to choose one. You can't have it's, both.
3: Listen, an embarrassment of riches is not a problem, is it? It's, it's a good thing, having squad and strength and depth, etc.
2: No, that's not right. Berardi has played three good games, therefore we need to sell Sam Byram.
3: <laughs> well,
2: quite, yeah. Obviously, because the interest from Liverpool and the like is obviously they don't understand how bad he really is. If they knew football, Newcastle and Everton and all the rest, they'd be bidding for Gaetano Berardi because he's played like five reasonably good games in a row apart from when he lost his place to Scott. Oh, we would cynic. We also
1: don't need Byron anymore because we've signed the five star skiller.
2: Yeah. We've got Bataka so really Byron's getting the in, Yeah. I, I mean
1: know. none of us have seen him play but we can all comfortably
3: see him uh, excuse me.
2: YouTube. He has yeah, been watching YouTube him. videos all week.
3: Yeah, everyone knows that's where careers are made and lost YouTube these days. Has anybody checked YouTube for Sam
2: Byron videos? No, let's move on to the derby game. No, I want to do this. You can do that and we'll talk about the derby game at the same time. You can multitask. Okay, well, there is one here, goals and skills. However, it's Alex Mowitt and Sam Byron. Not interested. Um, And it's only one minute, 44 seconds. (laughs) I'm going to suggest that most of that is probably Alex Mowit. Sam Byron, 30-yard curve volley for England against the USA. It's a computer game. Not real. See how it goes, though. Right, you've got the ball. (laughs) Which one's him? Right, he's picked the ball up outside the penalty area. No, that's not him. That's somebody saved it. It's just been volleyed clear. Whoa! bloody hell. Football, eh?
3: Give him a new contract, quickly. <laughs> yeah,
2: actually, he suddenly looks worth it. Except he um, he celebrates by doing um, the Wiggly Worm. I mean, with his arms. Is that with your arms when you do just like... like... body popping? Or... Yeah, yeah, body pops, basically, but really can, shitly. Can Sambar and breakdance? I've never... He's also wearing six. He curves it with the outside of his boot. It's a hell of a goal, to be fair. Sure. Uh, I don't is, know what to do now. This is
1: fictional though, isn't it?
3: <laughs> well. Let's move on to the Derby game. And a fine victory and probably
2: first half performance, best I think we've seen in ages. Yeah, we were brilliant. And we're never good at Derby. My memory, my memories of Derby still go back to Paul Green's Cruyff turn. And um, we were awful there last season as well. And I think he was still trying to shake the greenness out of our boots. That- oh,
3: I never told you Paul Green was in Tiger Tiger in Leeds on Saturday in my room when I was DJing. How was he? Um, he was having a little boogie to some 80s hits. What, in particular? I think it was Rufus and Chaka Khan he was particularly
2: enamoured with. Is he a good dancer? Yeah, I thought he was of, of a reasonable standard. Did he attempt to do it like a turn and just fall over at any point? Yes. He does go to some, some unsalubrious places, does
1: Paul Green, to be fair. I, I saw him in Pontefract going in Peacocks, which is a very cheap clothes shop, and he did look like a tramp as well. He had some uh, some really scruffy, tracky bottoms on. Mm.
2: Where's he from? Ponty. There you go. Um... <laughs> He's still got that football factory in Ponty, hasn't he? He has. The A1 Football Factory. By Paul Green. Co-owned and operated by Pontyfrax, born and bred Ipswich Town and Republic of Ireland's very own Paul Green. That's a hell of a sentence. The Football Factory brings you the next generation of premium 3G football pitches to the area. With a 52,000 square feet facility currently hosting four state-of-the-art pitches, the Football Factory will be unrivaled in the quality of the service we have to, to offer. Radvers? This is just one that ACAST have inserted automatically. Um, in addition, the Football Factory will be the home for kids' parties, kids' coaching and school holiday kids' camps. So make sure your child doesn't miss out. Whatever the occasion, the Football Factory is the location. And the Football Factory also a film about violence. <laughs> yes. Kids parties. Come, whatever the occasion, come told up to... Yeah, so if you want to have a, a fight with a bunch of kids wielding knives in Ponty Fract, it's the a1footballfactory.co.uk. Uh, Derby. Back to
3: Derby. First half performance, yeah. the uh, Amy on the score sheet. Woo! Broke his duck. That was good.
2: And who crossed it for him? Your boy? My boy. big The big D. Big dog. It was a very good cross. I think the only uh, problem with the first half, perhaps, and this is nitpicking, is with... Don't look like creating very much. The goal had to come from a set piece. There weren't a lot of chances coming our way. And I don't know if that's because Derby were resilient defending. I took a hell of a kick to the face from Mowit. It's always good to see that flap of skin and a lot of blood. Um, but a header from a defensive midfielder from a, a short corner routine is not an indication that we're playing free-flowing football. But then we played some of that against Bristol. so We played, maybe we played, just we played it in this. We were... Playing them off the park, really, for large periods of it. But goals, I want goals. Compared, goals win games.
1: Think of the Warnock era where we never held possession for more than 10 seconds.
2: That'd make me think of the Warnock era. I've looking at Paul Green's ball f- oh, factory. My head's already in a dark, dark place.
3: Yeah, when you compare the two, that was hideous. I mean, I know he's setting us up to be solid at the minute, isn't he? And playing counter-attacking football and stuff. But the, the glimpses are there. It's, oh, that Warnock era, just... Mm.
2: But yeah, players like Dallas charging forward, Wood... Who would have thought such a tall man would be so useless in the air?
1: I think as well, the thing about not creating chances and dominating a game, possibly the two are linked because it's, you know, you put more people into midfield so you have a lot of the ball, but then there's not necessarily
2: always somewhere to put it. I didn't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they,
3: they came back into it at the start of the second half, but even then, we uh, we sort of nullified them, didn't we?
1: If to only we, there was a, a, end? a footballing expression to describe this game. <sighs> what
3: game of.
2: No. Nah, game of Thrones. Is that it? Something like... I think the worry... I mean, I sound like I'm just worrying about everything. but Which you you are. These things keep me up at night. Is that Derby dominating and attacking us in the second half looked a lot better than we'd looked dominating and attacking them in the first half, if you know what I mean. But I am then glad that we went through that to then go on and win because it showed that we can be resilient ourselves at the back even if we do have a complete chocolate flaking goal. I thought um,
1: Cooper was done a bit easily for their goal, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. Because Martin's not exactly a, a tricky kind of player, and he just showed him one side and then went the other, and he, he did fall for it.
2: It was a pretty poor goal to give away, but we were... Defensively, though, as a whole, we're really, we are really solid. I would, I think four out of the five players in defence deserved a clean sheet, just not the goalkeeper. <laughs> um, no, he's <this> <laughs> been a, mean for no reason. You've been a meanie. Um,
3: um, it, and Wood, well, that was just absolutely brilliant. What, a, What an absolute... Cracker that was
1: up to that point, he was quite useless in all honesty, particularly in that second half. He'd missed that header and they from mm. about six yards out, which on a second view wasn't quite as easy as it first looked. And then he went and did that, and he just got a thing, yeah.
2: okay. hassle bank esque. I thought, just get the ball on the edge of the area and welly it hard and low. Scott Carson's reaction was good as well, Did, did not we- move because there wasn't one, didn't move. Well, we're going to the international break,
3: still unbeaten, which is. Incredible. And we've uh, won a game. Yeah. Mid mid September it's it's going okay. We're tenth I minute mean, still early doors. Um Brighton at the top with thirteen points. We've got seven. Rather on bottom with just the one. Um you do think that if we'd have held on against Bristol suddenly
1: we would be sitting very pretty. But it's and, all and Burnley. It's it's all very encouraging though. I, I dare say it is. Does that worry you? <laughs> uh, it doesn't worry me. It just what might happen worries me. Which what might aspect? just Well, Massimo's there, isn't he?
0: The
3: news. Let's start off with transfers. Then, as always in this bit, uh, the window now shut. Slam shut. No, just shut. Okay, just just shut. T- Close the door. Did it blow shut the in
1: music.
3: We only added jo- Jordan Pataka to the uh, to the roster. What, what? What do you mean only? Well, I mean at yeah, the. I mean we were expecting a flurry of activity at the end, and he was, actually was the
2: only player we brought in. Have you seen him? I've seen you on YouTube. Well, then you should know that you don't say we only bought Jordan Bataka. We bought Jordan Bataka. Talk to me about him then. All
3: this joking Well, he's
2: clearly like... better than the other kid that we tried to sign for Miri with the funny foreign name that wanted Limbomber. to be Limbomba. Limbomba. Yeah, he's rubbish.
1: I mean, I watch a lot of uh, Belgian football. Yes. Oh, you do, yeah, I, yeah. And I've seen him in there. And he, when, he, you know, when he's been playing for PSV in the um, Bundesliga, he's, he's been. Useless as Bomba.
2: yeah. So, whereas this kid, some of the performances he's been putting in for uh, Luxembourg hmm. have been absolutely fantastic. He, there's footage on YouTube of him absolutely skinning Baron von Munchausen hmm. um, and crossing the crossing the ball onto the head of um,
3: Stella Artois. Was, was uh, yeah,
2: Stella Artois playing up front, I think, hmm. um, in that game, and he's he's great. Step, step overs like. 67 rating. W- would I think. you would you describe Rabona crosses? Would you describe, Would you describe his skills as mad? Better than Messi. Really? Is the news. That's the yes. He was already better than Messi in FIFA 15. I've been looking into this. You see, and then FIFA 16, they've announced uh, the 30 players who all have five skill. It's skill moves, is what we're talking about here. So he's in a class. There are only 30 players on them um, in the world. Um, in history, <laughs> because the first one is Pele. Um, are you telling me we've just signed a player that's
3: as good as, if not better than Pele? Yes, there D- are. A you t-
1: didn't mention it. He shares a birthday with Messi as well. Does he? Yep. I didn't know that. Same
2: date of birth. There are a total of thirty players with five skill moves, including two women. So, and we can't sign those. And one of those All is out. Ronaldo, what plays for Real Madrid. Boom, boom. So Neymar, JJ catcher He's in there. He's about 50. <laughs> Gruberi, Nanny. Nani, uh, and then we're getting to people I don't know. A. Quadrado A. plays A. for Juventus. Karezma, know him. Dougie Costa, off of uh, Bayern Munich. JJ
1: Cochre um, is 42. Why is he on the game?
2: <laughs> Adel Tarapt. So back in the real world, uh, away from computer <laughs>
1: games again. Look, we're, being, we're being unfair on him because... The, we're, we're being glib the, is what the, we are. Yeah, because because people were losing their shit. I'm oh, actually the fact really excited to see him. Yeah, so my admittedly, it's in a league we don't know anything about. It might be entirely out of context. He may be otherwise useless, mm. apart from a few little. Maybe maybe a seven 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 second clip is the best way to see him. But it's nice to see someone who can do these things. Mm.
3: Well, we've dropped best part of, if we think about a mill on him, don't we? So we, he can't be terrible. I mean, there's a time. We'd, well, if we, if we got, Well, let's ignore that. Let's Belushky. ignore. Let, let's ignore the evidence that we don't like. Okay and just go with the evidence that we do. I was actually just going to say, if you rewind a few years back to the Ken Bates years, the the idea of spending a million pounds on anyone would have blown our minds. So um,
2: We wouldn't have blown our minds. Maybe we, Ken's maybe, mind that was the problem. Maybe
3: we're just getting a bit greedy now. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it looks like a good sign-in. It's
1: a, again, it's a position we actually need, whereas last year we were just signing anyone, weren't we,
2: really? Just people who is one mm. once
1: seen in Serie
2: B. When it comes down to just signing anyone, I do slightly worry about the fact that we... We have had that perception in this transfer window that it's been very smooth. We've done our business quickly and quietly. But then you also look at the sheer list of names that were being tweeted as being strongly linked with Leeds United on the last day, where it was basically everybody who had the surname Dyer. There was the whole Fernando Forestieri fiasco where Chilino said that he had bought him. Danny Dyer. Yeah, he was in the frame. Um, Chilino said he had bought him, but then he didn't show the right passion to come for Leeds. And, uh, did we actually put a statement out saying we weren't buying him? We did. Right, so it was another one, like uh, Liam Cooper, <laughs> where we said <laughs> Who say, we definitely he, didn't sign. He, he did not show that he ne- necessarily desired to play for Leeds. And then there was Limbomba, and then we've ended up with Bataka, who, when the signing was announced, it was great. I think it was um, Ephemeral Joy on Twitter who tweeted at Phil Hay if we're buying this guy, why am I watching him on the television right now playing for Excelsior <laughs> in another game? Well, just disregard that. They'll tell him when he comes off the pitch, I'm sure, that he's now a Leeds United player. So it did feel a little bit like there could be some desperation in that. But we needed a right winger because Sam Byron, frankly, has never been good enough for Leeds United in any Selling. capacity. and sold. Needs to be sold. Um, emergency loan out, I think, is the, the next step. Get him into League room. One. If and someone will have
3: him. No, get him into League One. Get some games under his belt. That's what I say. Get him used to that right wing position. Yeah.
2: Um, get him to Bradford. He never did Eddie White any harm. Um, <laughs> an out and out, flare filled, exciting, pacey, five star skill move winger who, in his YouTube videos, I think, you know, it's not a Philippe da Costa situation. I think there is actually something genuinely there. I'm confidently excited, which means nothing. I'm confidently (laughs) excited, but I'm looking forward to watching. I'm not going to watch Leeds United on Saturday. It's Bataka versus Brentford. Um, Another significant arrival
3: then, Paul Hart back to head up the academy. This is quite a big one,
1: really. It is, considering we were fearful the academy was getting shut down, and it's not just Paul Hart. There are other people who've come with him, and it seems we've decided to keep open the best bit of Leeds United, which seems a revolutionary
2: decision, Yeah, but it's a relief. And he's, he's sort of the next best thing to Howard Wilkinson in this role because Howard Wilkinson did the blueprint, got the place open and he chose Paul Hart to run it. And So Paul Hart ran it from the start and we all know the results. We've got two FA Youth Cups, we've got players of the calibre of Mark Tinkler and the <laughs> cousins, Kevin Sharp, players who redefined football, who were... No. Uh, I mean, actually, you know, I always look back on that team, and although there was only Noel Whelan who really carried on in the Premier League, Kevin Sharp, like, championship, and I think he came back to the Premier League with Wigan. Mark Tinkler played some like 400 games for Hartlepool, and so carried on. Andy Cousins. Jimmy uh, Forrester always
1: did. scored a lot of goals, lower league.
2: He was brilliant in the uh, divisi He played several seasons for clubs in Benelux, so perhaps that's an indication of what we can expect from Vittagra. <laughs> the new Jamie Forrester. Well, if if you can just do Jamie Forrester's overhead kick. But those were the very early days of the uh, of the Academy. If you look at Noel Whelan in his youth team photographs, he is basically standing at Fullerton looking um, just with the most rudimentary training facilities you can imagine. But then by the time it came to Alan Smith and... That's my personal favourite, Stephen McPhail and all that lot. They were actually making TV programmes about them in their bedrooms at Thorp Arch. Shame that we closed down the residential part, which is probably one of the most important parts of it. Yeah, and it's been demolished, but never mind. Yeah, but at least we now have somebody in charge who, who one, understands the place, two, understands youth football in this country, Benito Carboni, and three, uh, seems genuinely excited that this is his job now.
3: Um, people who've gone out of Ellen Road then, um, we lost Rudy Austin in the summer because he is an immigrant and obviously <laughs> nobody wants immigrants in this country anymore. Um, he was not allowed back in, which would make some people happy. Uh, he's been forced to go to Denmark, to Bronby.
1: He's not even Danish. We're full was the judgement, I think. Was that right? Yep. Absolutely the right. The said too. we are full... Get out, play <laughs> football somewhere else. Good luck to him. Um,
2: and um, I bet- am glad he's got a new club, by the way. I, think I am <laughs> glad he's gone. Especially <laughs> given that one of the reasons that he was thrown out of the country was that he decided to stay at Leeds and see out the rest of the season instead of going to Wigan. If he'd taken the easy way out and gone and played for Wigan, he could, he could still live quite happily with his young family and raise them um, in the, his adopted country. Um, instead, the poor sod going to suffer the terrible life that comes living in Denmark. <laughs> However will he cope? So it's worked out well for him. But um, Good luck to him. Yeah, I like Rudy. David Norris.
3: Now, he has not been excluded by border control, uh, although
2: he doesn't seem welcome anywhere, really. I have to give a hat tip to uh, Thorno who told me about this. David Norris signed for Yeovil. This had completely passed me by. Um, and he made his debut recently. It was in a League Two game. Against Oxford he was a substitute But I assume due to an injury He came on after about 34 minutes uh, Played the rest of the game They lost 2-0 And that was the end of his career at Yoville. He is now uh, <laughs> on the bench for Blackpool Stable, stable old Blackpool What
3: I will say is that his beautiful blue eyes Beautiful mm. blue eyes They are on the opposite side of the colour wheel To orange So his eyes and the shirt
2: will go together beautifully what about blue and green? I suppose it was too much down at Yeovil like our old away kit for them to continue.
1: On the bench at Blackpool is about the worst gig in football at the moment, isn't it? Because they have really struggled to find players. Yeah. And they are probably going to get relegated again.
2: And everybody hates them. Yeah. And so, they, they
1: have tiny crowds because no one's going because them. the Oystons are such Yeah.
2: They had that goal They're
1: quite litigious so I should apologise to them.
3: (laughs) Fabulous, yes. Someone else who uh, is no longer at the club, Uh, Steve Thompson, quite a a revealing snippet from this interview with the Lancashire Evening Post.
2: Mm. Well, he didn't really say anything that we probably didn't know, but what we hadn't had was him saying it. He's now working with Simon Grayson at Simon Grayson's home for lost ex-Leeds United uh, officials was saying? It was so complex there," says Steve Thompson about his time at Leeds, with something of a divided dressing room and players who just weren't good enough. You had some of the foreign lads smoking before training, which is something I just wasn't used to. But once I joined in, I found that it was very relaxing. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't say that part. I remember Redders saying to me, "The better we do here, the worse it will be for us." I thought that's strange because I wasn't aware that I was in a prison um, having to negotiate my way out through the ex con. It does sound it's a bit, it is a little bit. I think bit you like might be a, confusing it with David Haye. A dramatic film. The better we do here, the worse it's going to be for us. Do you know what you're getting into, Steve? Well, this was obviously during the brief period when Neil Redfern had Brian McDermott's voice. Then he got frustrated. Uh, no, he didn't get frustrated. He got suspended, which he found frustrating. He didn't fall out with Nicholas Salerno, he didn't fall out with anyone. The use of the word suspended implied I'd done something wrong, which could not be further from the truth. I think it was done to try and undermine Redders, and I really felt for him. They lost five games on the bounce and the dressing room was split. Later, I had offers to go back, but I could never do that. So that's basically kind of what was being rumoured had gone on, straight from the mouth of the man who was suspended. And it feels a little bit like ancient history now, because... Who cares when well, we've got Uwe Rosler and we've got Jordan Bataka. These guys are just old hat and um, Redfern is now in the frame for Rotherham because they've got rid of Dickov, so we can be That's reunited.
3: Doncaster. Same thing, aren't they, Rotherham and Doncaster? Basically. They should just merge, actually. I was about to say. I just thought, merge I thought it's they'd fine. merged. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> Either merge them or
1: destroy them both.
3: <laughs> Either's fine. Yeah? Yeah, OK. Um, talking to the dressing room split, um, Saul Bamber's done an interview today with TheLeaguePaper.com, which was... Um, which was interesting. Again, you know, you, you tend not to get a great deal out of footballers, but there were some you little. Get bits a lot somewhere. out of Bamba, it, it, he said. The dressing room wasn't necessarily split, but there were two groups who couldn't <laughs> talk to each other because one, one of them was Italian and then the rest were all English. He's um, such a diplomat. And he came; and he literally was because he was the translator, wasn't he? So, yeah. God, he
2: must know so many secrets.
3: He's got, he's got the dirt on everyone. That's how he got the contract, wasn't it? <laughs> he got the contract. Yeah, Chilino, He's got everything on Chilino. But yeah, there's one or two little interesting snippets there. Uh, he obviously, he, he called for Chilino to do better for the sake of the supporters, even if it cost him a contract. Um, if the decisions at the top aren't right, there's no way what happens on the pitch can be right. It was a big struggle last year and that's why. So that's pretty straight talking, isn't
1: it? He's very quickly becoming, well, has already become a cult hero, hasn't he, Bam? But he's just seems one of those people who's come in on loan. Typically, you'd think then they're completely detached from the club, won't understand it. They're just here to have a bit of a bit of a kick about while they're, while they're not playing elsewhere. But he's come in and actually understands it, has stamped his authority on things and shown he actually
2: has some principles. And this is what a captain should do. I mean, I'd quite like Jason Pearce as a player, but as a captain, if you remember the whole Belusky-Cameron-Jerome incident when he was asked about that by Adam Pope, and Adam Pope said, as captain of the football club, what have you got to say about the events this week that's going on? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really think it's... you can. Uh, it's not for me to say. Uh, yeah, you need to ask somebody else. So, I mean, I don't know what to say about anything like that. Absolute, like, just dereliction of responsibility. It was the same with Melanich. I don't know if it was the, the culture of the club at the time. But Bamber has definitely run through all that and just said, "No, if someone's going to ask me a question, how is the club being run? Terribly."
3: You can see it though on the pitch as well because he's, he's that sort of get off the floor, Giuseppe. You know, you can see him, can't you? So just yeah. get on with it. Stop diving about. There is, he's he's got such great leadership skills, and you can see it that he's he's he really is at the heart of it all. There was a lovely he's, moment. He's in a good the,
1: captain in the Derby game as well, where I think Martin was having a go at him for something, wagging his finger at Bamber, and Bamba was yeah. just laughing in his
2: face. <laughs> Yeah, thought, what what a man! Martin kept going on all game, accusing Bamber of diving, and Bamber was just like, "Whatever, sure, not interested." It was great.
3: One thing that Saul Bamber does go on to talk about in this interview um, is that he's quite well travelled because he's done um, England, Italy, and Turkey as well as he, as well as uh, a couple of other
2: places. So he, he speaks lots of Leicester.
3: What a lot of strange place! Um, they do have a space centre
2: though. In Leicester. And I knew somebody who had a very nice cat in Leicester as well. They used to go to the local bank on its own. Couldn't get any money out because a cat, anyway. But he
3: does talk about where he's going to settle once his playing days are over. And he says it's, it's all down to where his, uh, where his kids settle and where they make friends at school and stuff. But he does he does fancy England because that's where everyone's been nicest to him. Because
1: we're a soft touch. The immigrant crisis deepens. Yeah, ex-players, we missed oh. out arguably our best... No, not arguably. Our best goalkeeper of the last, well... When Nigel Martin leave Since him Sir Paul Yep Back in the championship Probably aiming for promotion I would think More lives than a cat
2: Which uh, club yes. is he with now? He's Bolton You see, Esker Leiden That ginger kid And now Andy Lonergan is he there still? Oh probably? Andy God imagine Andy, Was Andy Lonergan here when Rohupka was here? Were they I a twosome at least? Maybe it was. Was that why Roopka played? Because Lonigan was, I, I think... Or was it
1: Paddy Kenny those in those days? I can't remember. Let's
3: who. say it was Lonigan for the sake of this story. I think it was Lonigan.
1: So, yeah. I, I mean, I presume they've signed him to be third-choice goalkeeper, which is essentially... A, it's a non-playing position. He's
3: carrying the cones, isn't he?
1: Yeah.
0: The Square Ball Podcast.
3: Let's do the weekly, or is it the Fortnightly Ken now, where we listen back to Ken Bates' latest rants um, on the internet on Audio Boom. How dare you call it a rant? It's not is fast
1: it? enough to be a rant.
3: <laughs> drone. Let's call it a drone. We listen to it so you don't have to. And, and Ken's been up, he's been talking about all sorts of things. More of a low-key fortnight this one, although obviously there is exciting chatter about transfers and David Haig and the immigrant crisis, as it
2: is framed in this particular discussion. Obviously, everybody wants to know what Ken Bates thinks about the immigrant crisis. I'm quite excited that we're uh, six points off the top with 40 games to go. Yes. He describes the transfer window as stupid as well, and in his memory he can't remember
3: any hasty last-minute signings, but uh, if you sell a player in the last few days of the transfer window, then what chance have you got to find a replacement? Yeah, Some very, very salient words, there, some, yep. some wise words.
1: And words he lives by. Yeah, I would, well, I, I would think more or less always. Do you think he dies
2: by them as well?
1: Well, not yet.
2: That's the phrase, isn't it? You live or die by your words.
3: Um, because, of course, none of us remember Max Grade or Johnny House or Fabian Delph. Never heard of any of them. No.
2: Well, I think Fabian Delph being injured in the first 14 seconds of an England international... Just shows we were right to get rid of him when we did, really.
1: You can't risk players getting injured, so you're better not to have any.
2: We'd be paying him wages to, to do nothing. That hamstring wouldn't keep up the
3: East End roof, would it? No. The cream cladding will, a bit.
2: I hope it's not the cladding that's keeping the roof up. No,
3: me neither. Glad I don't sit there anymore. <laughs> um, one thing that really tickled my, uh, my bones here on this one was that um, he, he goes back to talking about players who've gone on strike, you know, towards the end of the transfer window. Is it Bariño, the guy from from West Brom? Um, And he recalls in his days back at Oldham. That is a long time ago. Yes.
1: It is the 60s, isn't it? Yes, I think no so, yeah. When,
2: it was about 1966. He took
1: it was over, kind of right? a, a, some sort of feudal system for owning footballers. If you just States. think
2: back to when Rhodesia was an illegal racist state being oh, run yes. by Prime Minister Ian Smith ah, and yeah. Ken Bates took Oldham on a tour uh, there. That's mid- a good way to a time tour it, there. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's that's when he was in charge of Oldham, is when, when he was taking a squad of footballers unwillingly on tour to an illegal racist state that was uh, shunned, that was considered an outlaw and a renegade by uh, the entire civilised world.
3: Well, he used to really put his players through it back at Oldham because he, he tells of one guy that who had gone on strike at one of the Sheffield clubs, he doesn't know which one, and he picked him up for Oldham and, and lo and behold, eight months later, similar sort of thing happened. He, he threatened to, to not play anymore because he, he wasn't settled. So he said, you can play in the reserves as the reserves pitch and if you don't like that, you can play for the A team, which is a, a thing apparently back in the 60s. Uh, Not to be confused with Hannibal and Face and all that lot. And he said, I showed him the A-team pitch and it was an old landfill site we rented off Oldham Council. And it had all sorts of things sticking up that you could damage your knees on.
2: It sounds like an odd sort of torture. The rest of us were off to an illegal racist state. You can stay here and play on that. That is, You
1: can pick through the landfill, find your dinner,
3: work for it, literally. Uh, Anyway... Uh, he talks of, uh, of Neil Warnock uh, ruining Tom Lees at Leeds United.
2: Well, yeah, but he doesn't seem to have realised that Tom Lees is doing fine now. There's a lot of comment about, like, Tom Lees has never been the same again all the way. I think he's going gone to Sheffield Wednesday I'm doing all right. As if... I think it would fit his narrative much better if Tom Lees had basically quit football after Warnock had a go at him, but instead he's got to kind of do you not uh, think, grudgingly he's, acknowledge that...
3: Do you not think he's got a fair point?
2: Of course, I hate Tom Warnock for what he did to poor old Tom, Tom Lees. Tom Warnock? <laughs> I hate Neil Warnock for what he did to poor old Tom Lees. But I hate Ken Bates even more for thinking that what Tom Lees needed after being yelled at by Neil Warnock on the bus home from Ipswich was for his phone to ring. Dumb! Ken, it's all right, Susanna's here, she'll speak to you <laughs> in about half an hour, but first, a few things I'd like to say. The way that Warnock treated you, I think yadda, yadda yadda yadda, and then the Arabs, <laughs> <laughs> historically, going back to the Old Testament, yadi it's very nice wine. Sh- Suzanne's here now. And of
3: course it all came to a head with the Sykes-Pickett Agreement following the First <laughs> World War. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's all in the context of keeping things in-house. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, because I Important mean, Im- to do. immediately that that happened was um, Ken Bates was in the papers saying, I had to phone up Tom Lees to put him back together again. Yeah, but keep it all in-house. Don't tell anybody. The w- The one time... I mean, I don't know if Ken Bates has any other example of any other time when he has ever shown any sympathy to any other human being whatsoever, because it seems like the only example he's ever ever had is when he's phoned up Tom Lees.
1: No, there was that Maltese boy that Susanna liked.
2: (laughs) Oh, of course there was. Well, that's two. But the Maltese boy presumably has gone on to bigger and better things, whereas poor old Tom's playing at Sheffield Wednesday. Probably after every game he plays, phone rings, Tom, more bad luck. He's like, no, Ken, we won today. I got man of the match. Well, these things are sent to trials. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On to David Haig. Now, before we mention this bit, it's worth saying
3: that if you've listened to this, as we have, there are a number of uses of the phrase they. Mm. There's an ambiguous they in -hmm. this particular bit. It's not quite clear who they is, uh, but we'll run through it and we'll let you decide if that's all right. We've Um, not
2: mentioned that David Haig has actually finally been convicted of something. Yes,
3: jailed for two years. As Ken mentioned, he was served 15 months of his 24. Does it count? Apparently so, so, okay. we, so we think
2: Ken is already looking like zooming forward to the day when he leaves prison Even if he's in his prison clothes Get on the plane
3: <laughs> well, He does he does say that, just get out of there um, But what he does say is that David phoned me from prison or wrote me a letter from it prison yeah, yeah, It was a letter, wrote him a letter Of course it was a letter Ken, yeah.
2: You have one letter, <laughs> one chance oh, oh, I think I'll write to Ken He's always been very helpful Dear Ken. He said, Ken, don't say I told you so. Don't say I told you so. And then Ken obviously goes on a five or ten
3: minute discussion. I told him. Exactly what he told him, which is fabulous. And he reckons that if it hadn't been for the organisation, the charity Prisoners Abroad, that Haig would have died. So don't trust them. It's simple as that. Whoever them may be. Who do you think them is?
1: Well, don't trust the bastards. (laughs) He does, yeah. He drops that one in, yeah. He drops a B-bomb. Yeah. Yeah. That refers to the people of Dubai. Ah. and probably any countries within within a few hundred miles of share there. borders a bit
3: sandy <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and he also mentions of course that patel that idiot patel tried to bring sharia law to leeds i'm sure that's not true
2: <laughs> does leeds united or leeds the city did the did being like, financial director of Le- of Leeds United Football Club, mean that he somehow got a chance to institute Sharia law across the it, city as a whole. It bestows
3: great power, yeah. And revenge is a dish best eaten cold, apparently.
2: Served, I think no, no, the saying. No, no, eaten, eaten. Eaten. Okay. In Ken's e- case. Y- yeah. You see, I've got this great vision with Ken's long rambling, he said not to tell him so, <laughs> but, of David on the day when he's finally released, when they're saying, it was like, Mr. Haig, you've served your time. In this jail cell, you are now free to leave, and Ken Bates is waiting for you outside. It's, oh, oh, uh, lads, um, did I mention I'm a homosexual? <laughs> Back in there, banged up. <laughs> <laughs> he,
1: well, he likes it, doesn't he? He's, I've not seen him any of his latest quotes, but he used to always do that. Thank you for the, to the Dubai authorities for holding me here. They really are such... Super chaps I've made them all a card On when I leave
2: there, there were some changes In that narrative Which did make you suggest That the public messages Were being tuned to whatever, Whoever he was trying To get sympathy from oh, That doesn't from the sound time, like David Hague at all Because it did start with Oh I'm being very well treated Then suddenly it, was, it changed To when they put the photos Of him out And it's like Actually they're killing me
1: <laughs> But you know Those thin pictures I say we shouldn't stick laugh, him in, really Stick but... him in some trunks And a smile on his face Everyone would say Wow look at him What a lean What a lean mean Fighting machine
3: he goes on, does Ken, to uh, talk about Massimo tidying up their mess, there being JFH, we presume, mm-hmm. and said, but of course he has his own problems, including the dispute with Endeavour Insurance.
2: <laughs> yes, another one <laughs> somewhere in, in Endeavour Insurance's lawyers. Wake up! What Ken Bates What's What? <laughs> <laughs> Enterprise, are probably. Well, he's not been in touch with us for quite a while now. <laughs> Popping his uh, his
3: handwritten letters by his quill, sending him to Endeavour Insurance in Rhodesia. Um, anyway, we then go on to um, this is this is brilliant. Where uh, the presenter, poor gentleman, um, drops in the woods. I think it's immigrant crisis was the was the uh, was the phrase that was used. Which I thought, oh god, oh no, there's ten minutes left of this recording. Anyway, um, Ken's opinions on this um, are fabulous, of course. Can you? I mean, can you guess? Can you guess what, what Ken would be thinking? Well, for a start, we can't be a haven to the world's refugees. That's that's the one thing. Because some are economic migrants mm. and some are seeking a better life. Now, uh, Ken Bates, tax exile in Monaco, mm-hmm. doesn't like economic migrants. And he doesn't like,
2: doesn't like people seeking a better life either. No. He no. says the man who dragged himself up with a club club foot from the back streets of <laughs> Basingstoke or wherever it was.
1: My in-laws live in Basingstoke.
2: Well, I'm sure they're lovely people.
1: He also, um, in, in this... Um, but criticizes corrupt foreign officials.
3: Mm. It's the compliant ones you want, isn't say
1: it? Says Ken Bates, who bought a large chunk of island once mm. from yes. from someone. I mean, I'm sure that was fine. The,
2: well, the, the fact that he rented it, it was a lease for two hundred years. Um, that gave him Which dominion over. Intends of a, to
1: see out, I would imagine. <laughs>
2: one entire <laughs> island, and then eighty percent of another one. And it was entirely coincidental that the outgoing British consul who signed that deal resigned the next day. And just that was his basically his last act in office, but I'm sure that particular foreign official was not corrupt in any way. Well the
1: thing is if you're if you're being corrupt to help someone, which is that all that that official was potentially doing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's <laughs> he's no, probably he's
2: probably dead now, it's fine. Nothing more nothing more helpful than a two hundred year lease over somebody else's land.
1: Well it's not like you're owning it, is it, if you've got a two hundred year lease. Exactly just renting give, it. Give it back in a couple of centuries, exactly. can't it? Like, Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> But this is where this is where the the, the truth started to come out. Um, he does reckon we should help the the refugees, but not here. Another mm. thing. I think that's that's basically the thrust of it. And he says that the British government should be spending money, giving them a better life in their own country. And the the best phrase, the best one in this, was these people should be put back where they come from. Mm. <laughs>
2: At least he didn't use the, the word buggers. That's all I'm saying.
3: Yeah, uh, but he well, does. No, he, listen. He is. He is all for helping poor people, particularly the refugees that we see at the minute. Because he does say that foreign aid should be given to Africa, where it's needed. Syria, that famous
2: country yes. in Africa. All of Africa, as one needs aid. Well, uh, Ken's uh, done his bit for Africa. You've well, yeah, already mentioned yeah. it.
1: You've already mentioned Ken doing his bit for Africa.
2: Get that. Get that nice no, Smith back in charge.
1: Well, he does. He does actually suggest that. Um, a way to fix it would be to put our own people in, um, and have them spend the
2: money. It like, sounds
1: it sounds a little bit like the British <coughs> Empire. Yeah,
2: just colonize it. Yeah, that kind of thing. So there's one way of going about That kind of, of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I
3: mean, he also no, listen. He also gives an anecdote about his daughter who went to do some uh, volunteer work in the Sudan, and she came back after only a month because she it wasn't what she thought it was going to be, and it sounded like they were just having a, a jolly nice time in the sun. That's the Sudan. Yeah, she legs. went to
2: help, and there was nobody there needed <laughs> helping. The bastards. The worst part of the uh, of the Sudan granddaughter anecdote is when he asks his granddaughter why she has come back after a month, and the, the way he phrases, it why have you come back?" Plum. And a little bit of sick came into my mouth <laughs> when I thought of him calling his granddaughter Plum. Unless that's actually her name.
1: She probably didn't even went to Sudan. She just said, told him that because she knew it'd piss him off. I'm going to help brown people grandad what Derek from the papal residency um, the pontifex
3: himself Adam Pope thanks for joining us on the podcast
0: thanks mate what colour smoke are you blowing up my backside then?
3: <laughs> That's not for me to say. Um, thoughts on the season so far then, Popey? You get to see it all.
0: Well, yeah, except for the win and the best performance of the season so far. So I'm now being blamed if there's not six points over the next two games um, against Brentford and Ipswich because I missed the Derby County one. But uh, do you know what? I've been really, really... I'd say been impressed in, in a lot of areas, but I am really positive about it. Um, yeah, I think when people saying, oh, you know, dropped points at Bristol City, which they did... Overall I just see an improvement and uh, and a solidity about the side and, and I think it's been a really really decent start even prior to the Derby County game down to be honest so uh, I am I am always glass half full but I think uh, there's a makings of, of a reasonable side top 10 finish for me possibly top 6. Do you think
3: maybe because it's quite a young side they might run out of steam towards the end of the season?
0: Well, when you look, I mean, I went down the average age. I mean, what, Antonucci's just turned 31, hasn't he, this, uh, in the last sort of few days. And, you know, he's the oldest player in the side. But after that, yeah, I think that that could be a crit- so, I mean, it's sort of a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, are they, you know, are they going to run out of legs? Or would they just sort of, with a lack of experience, not not see them over the line? But the, pr- the thing is, you've got, you know, Byron, Mowat, uh, Taylor, and obviously, to him, his, his time at Fleetwood as well. And, of course, Cook, who had the best part of last season with his belt. You know, all these guys, you had them; they've got like over, what, 250 appearances. So I can't see it being a lack of experience getting over the line. And I'd suggest that their legs are going to be as capable as anybody's seeing them through. So, But I'm worried about numbers. I think, yes, I know there's been a few additions, but I think it, it is a light squad, Dan, I have to be, be honest. And I think I'd want to see a couple more in there because what would happen if they lost Chris Wood? you know, what would happen to the whole formation and is there anybody capable of of taking up that mantle, for example?
3: Yeah, anybody in particular sort of a standout performer for you out of this batch of young players? and Any any favourites?
0: Well, having been, you know, a centre-forward of some repute in the (laughs) Wallasey Sunday League Division 4 winners 1983, I think it was, Dan. um, Obviously, I look at uh, Chris Chris Wood and I just think his all-round play it's been tremendous. Liked him a few years ago at Leicester when he had that really good season where he, I think, it was about twenty goals. And um, he went off the ball a bit Ipswich last season when he was on loan. But if you speak to all the clubs he's been at, you know, even like West Brom, they talk really well of him about what he's done there. was a Millwall fan, I spoke the other day, he gave up going once once Chris Wood went. He just felt that you know he's had an impact everywhere. He's really, and I just think he's like your perfect centre forward. So he's really impressed me. Elsewhere, I remember Amy at Bradford always think he's, he's a bit of class, really. Uh, but Dallas is the one for me. It just His attitude's brilliant. and uh, Really decent guy as well. Totally gets the team ethic. He's obviously got a bit of a trick. I think he will score goals as well. But I love his work ethic. And he's a massive help for Charlie Taylor as well. Who And that combination seems to be, from a defensive point of view, certainly seems to be really coming along. So I've, I really enjoyed watching that. Sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? You know, watching my like little combinations. But that sort of thing really... Sort of inspires me and makes me think. But this side is, it's got something about it now.
3: Well, I tend to agree because I think it's, it's become more about the football this season than the boardroom, hasn't it? And that, that's been a refreshing change.
0: Damn, it has. You know, just put program notes together. I had at Brentford and, and Ipswich, and it's been the most sort of boring, if you like, international but We're no, we're normally used to something crazy having some massive court case or or some injunction, or some player leaving in the window, or what have you, and just none of that's happened, and it's been a blessed relief, hasn't it, that you know, I've literally had a week off and missed the Derby game, for example, and the only thing I've missed, really, is seeing a great game of football and nothing else. Uh, we've actually had an arrival in that time, and I mean, that, that's the thing that gets me. Sometimes you're looking for news, you're looking for a headline, you're looking for stories, what have you, but Taka arrives, and I'm always a bit loathe when that's the only significant thing that's happened. That suddenly, you know, a few minutes video on, on YouTube and, and this guy known as the Wizard, uh, apparently, which apparently he's never been called in his life. Um, but, you know, suddenly he's going to be a world-beater. When you know, let's let's be fair, he's had second division Dutch football. Yes, he's been in the top fight with Excelsior as well. But can he do it in a lead share? And, and I worry about the hype that gets built around a player. You know, not least he's a winger. He's going to be there to entertain. It. And when that's the only thing that's gone on in the window of any no, you sometimes wonder, could it be a he- too heavy a burden for the player? So uh, that sort of thing bothers me a little bit, Dan, but I mean, that's a nitpicking thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, people start saying, is he going to play ahead of them and all this sort of thing? Well, you just wouldn't do that, would you at the moment? You really wouldn't. But we do want to see him, don't we? And- you know, so that might be one of the most exciting things to happen over the next couple of games is to see him come off the bench and, and do a couple of tricks or something.
3: And what off Byron then? Because he's gone off the boil.
0: Yeah, I mean, got to know, I don't know Sam really well, but you only look at body language and stuff, and it, I think it has affected him. I think it's better to say, I think Ros has said that as much. Um, but he's been used to the attention of other clubs, I would say, or talk of other clubs for a couple of years now. It's not a new thing, is it, Dan, to be fair? I think the great thing is that obviously he's still at the club. I think he will recover his form. And um, I thought the last game I saw prior to the diving one, I thought the hour that he did, I thought he did OK. I thought the two games before that, he wasn't his normal self, uh, I have to say. But, you know, the team's sort of seen him over the line. So, yeah, I think he has been a bit out of sorts if I was to get my personal opinion on it. Um, I mean, Chilino's always said to me, Danny, he said, look, we're not selling him. We won't be going. I thought, well, we've bothered that before. But he says, look, I hope to get the compensation for him if he goes in the summer. Um, because, obviously, he's under 24 and, and and they'll be due that. I don't think they'll get as much as he'd hoped for. What does concern me is that, you know, you look, if the if the reports are true, that has he been offered less money to stay at the club? And you compare it to Luke Murphy, who's been offered, you know, a similar sort of deal, if you like, and he's going to stay at the club. Well, Luke Murphy and Sam Byron are two different players. Sam Byron is a Premier League player, in my opinion. You know, Luke Murphy... Yeah, he could well get leads up there this season, but um, you wouldn't put him in the same class as Sam Byron, although I really rate Luke Murphy in the last sort of year or so. So you're not, you're not comparing light for light there, are you? And, and to be fair, if the club isn't going to offer Sam the terms that he deserves, maybe, or it doesn't fit in the sort of budget that Chileno sets, then I can only see one outcome. But with a bit of luck, that would be at the end of this season at the earliest.
3: So you think that is, is almost the writing's on the wall there with Byron He's likely to leave?
0: Well... I, can't, I mean, look, if Leeds go up, then it's a different scenario. And I think if they're in the hunt come come January, then you know, I think, I think they're of a mind, the younger players, thinking, look, sticking together and playing at Leeds at the moment is not a bad not a bad option because we're going to play. Clearly, that, that's the case. And, you know, Ross has sort of carried on where, where Neil Redfern left off in in that respect. And, and deservedly so as well, so they should play. But I just, I mean, you've got to think, what, is he 21, 22? You're thinking, well... You know the offers aren't going to keep coming round, are they? If, and the bids aren't going to keep coming in. The thing and the problem and the problem I would say down is this: if you're a player out of contract, you know what has he got ahead of him? If there's no contract sorted out with the club, you know you get an injury, you know your career could be over, sort of thing. And you've got nothing to fall back on. Then you know you're out of contract at the club, and and there's there's nothing else ahead of you. So at some point he's going to be thinking, well, come January he'll be allowed to speak to clubs, obviously because he's out of contract in the summer, then he'll probably think, well, you know, our Leeds going to match, you know, my personal ambitions, whatever they are. I think he's a loyal guy, to be quite honest, but, you know, he's played what, well, he's the most experienced player at the club in terms of um, appearances now, isn't he? He's done his bit. If he was to end now for Sam Byam, nobody could really complain, could they? You know, he's been, um, if you want to put it that way, he's been an excellent servant so far. I think he'll improve at Leeds at the moment, but, I personally, I just don't see it going beyond this season unless, unless Leeds do manage to pinch promotion.
3: Quick word then, Popey, on, on Paul Hart. He's returned to oversee the academy.
0: Yeah, I mean, interesting one. I mean, I mean, it was way before my time when he was winning the Youth know, Cups with Leeds United. But um, I've heard a bit of a taskmaster, a bit of a disciplinary in some ways. Enjoys the good life as well, I've heard. And because Noel Whelan, who does... The, does the the shows with us from BBC Leeds? Dan, you know, he he was part of that uh, that first FA Youth Cup win, and then remembers it well. But it is interesting, isn't it? You, you see a guy that's been around the cadres for a long, long time has had that first team experience as well, but seems to be more comfortable in, in, in coaching and, and getting the best out of players. And can't can't deny his experience, can you? And, and the fruits of his labour being there to see. So, well, I think I think the message. is I've never met Paul, never spoken to him. But hopefully, get to, you know, we have asked him to get to meet him soon. But I think. It does suggest, doesn't it, that the Academy is not going to go away. And I think we all had fears that it was just going to dissipate and, uh, and been wrenched away and that this production line might come to a halt. But um, certainly with his appointment and, and the others there, um, despite the sour taste of what's happened with, with Neil Redfern and, and Lucy Ward and other, other you know, people that have gone from the Academy, it does seem to be... That there's going to be a future there and an attempt to keep, uh, you know, hopefully local players coming through. But, um, yeah, I mean, Paul Hart's experience is, is is vast and he's got a track record. So, in that sense, you, you can't say anything other than that it's a decent appointment.
3: Quick word on Noel Whelan, then. Um, yeah. You've struck up a bit of a, a golden partnership with the pair of year. People really enjoy listening to you this year. Uh, what's it like working with uh, with Snowy?
0: Oh, absolutely love it, Dan. I have to say, I don't think it's the normal BBC uh, local radio broadcast. Uh, that you might be expecting and certainly uh, when I think back to the sort of I don't know sort of almost impartial way that the BBC tries to broadcast certainly on a national level but locally you expect to hear your team being supported and I think that's what Snowy brings isn't it he comes at it from a fan's passion point of view but he really has got a very good analytical head and he still coaches where he lives down in in Nottingham and uh, I mean I get on with him really well because he's so he's on the edge isn't he with with his comments (laughs) he's uh, he's absolutely enthused and full of passion he's got his own obviously catch word now with, you know get in and when i first met him down at the time we didn't have commentary we just did a sort of hybrid of noise and uh and a bit of chat about the action and i think it was a, a horrible defeat at barnsley and um and at the time sort of no was just maybe having a look and get involved back into the game and uh still maybe playing a little bit at the time and i was doing a bit of media and. I just sort of felt, oh, this guy could be really, really good, and thankfully it's come around that he has become available. After you know, we tried with a few people, and and it does work. And I, I think we find that whether it's Catherine or with Gareth who's with us as well, that as a team it, it's probably the best that we, we've had. And and I think you know what, Dan, I think it's really helped me come on because, as I say, it's not a sort of normal type commentary, and and I think we get the idea that that fans just want to hear people supporting their team really and 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 be that bias and he's that and all isn't he and a bit more as well and i, I like the fact that he keeps on my toes you know i don't think i'm a sort of traditional type of i don't know broadcast i suppose in in a sense i think mean, taking a few risks in the time and and i think you know Noel certainly does that because he's a very very naughty boy coming up
3: well we get back on it after the international break at home to brentford on saturday um, they seem to have sold everybody and implemented some sort of strange continental system. Has it worked? Uh, mixed results so far, I think. they're uh, Well, they've only played... Have they only played four games and everyone else has played five? Is that right? Work, shy, fops. Uh, but they're, they're 18th at the minute with only four points. They've, uh, they've lost two, won one and drawn one. Uh, but they're on a two-for-two a two losing streak. You would expect us
2: to win this game, wouldn't you? Now we've stolen their best player. Their only player, as far as I'm aware, although they had um, Andy Gray. No, he's gone. He's gone to Burnley. And that leaves them with nothing, basically, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It leaves them with... Johnny Douglas left. Where did he go? Ipswich. Okay. I think. Mick McCarthy's is something the strangest team Natalie Sawyer. Mm. Is that where he went? They have a player, though, they've bought a player called Lassie Vibe, who is Swiss. I know this much about him, and I'm not just looking him up on the internet now. No, I got (laughs) the flags wrong, he's Danish. And been playing in Sweden, I know that flag. But yeah, Lassie Vibe is a pretty cool name.
1: They also have someone who looks, sounds like he's called Bellend. Really? I discovered Andreas Bellend.
3: Ah, you see, the, uh, one of my um, housemates when I was at university was a bit of a rugger bugger. And, you know, they've all got wacky nicknames, haven't they, the rugby lads. And um, one of his one of his mates was called Bellend. And another one was cheesy, actually, which is uh, quite the combination. Anyway, um... <laughs> We don't know much about football and we quite frankly don't like it, so we rely on the internet fantasists who scored.com to provide statistical information for us to pad this bit out until we get to the end.
2: Do you see what uh, Brentford are good at? What we need, to, And they're very strong at two things. Leeds are only very strong at one. Leeds are very strong at stealing the ball from the opposition. That would be Berardi. Um, whereas Brentford's strengths are creating chances using through balls and coming back from losing positions. We've discussed that coming back from losing positions before. That just means that they're very good at giving away early leads. However, I don't like the sound of creating chances using through balls because that makes it sound like they're going to try and play football. not having that frankly. Anything to say about Brentford Michael?
1: I think I've written all my thoughts down in the the tactical column of uh, of the new magazine and I think there's no I don't want to spoil it for people really. I don't want to do is out of sales, frankly. So,
3: so buy it if you want to know what Michael thinks. Exactly. Yeah. You, cor- you corporate bastard. That's an interesting new way of getting it. Behind out the of paywall. The-,
2: <laughs> <laughs> the personal paywall that you've just built.
3: But seriously, there are two home games on the bounce. Uh, you would expect us, hopefully, to take four to six points out of this. Well, if, if as... Ipswich, of course, at home on the Tuesday.
1: You know, people seem to be thinking we might actually get promoted this year from what I can gather.
3: Well, I confidently predicted
1: fifth and up in the um, pre-season predictions, so I'm right behind it. So, yeah, let's win these
2: two games. Why not? Yeah, we can do it, and we'll have Bataka for this. The um, The match forecast on Whoscored.com, we may as well use that. It says, These things will happen extremely likely that Brentford will score as a result of a through ball. It's also very likely that they'll come back if they go behind. It's likely that Leeds will score from a fast-break situation. And it's also likely that Brentford will score as a result of an opposition error.
3: So they are clairvoyant as well as making statistics up.
2: It's all based on the data. It's not like they're just picking this stuff out of Brentford thin air. love this. Money ball, money yawn, that's what I say. Anywho, these have that feeling of like winnable games. When you come up against a team like Brentford, but there's kind of there's a danger there as well because it's got pff, it's only Brentford. And then uh, we look at what happened to Milanich when it was only Brentford last season. But hey, everybody got a hot dog that day. A hot dog and a photo with the coolest guy you ever meet. This year, just get a photograph of Adam Pearson. It's not quite the same. Following that, we've got
3: two away games. So we've got, um, oh no, actually on Saturday the 19th of September, it seems like a friendly against not a real football team.
2: It's a shame that they're now in this
1: league. My only hope is that if they do reach the premiership, someone is in charge of the FA and makes them swap with Wimbledon. Completely yeah. arbitrary just got we made a mistake all those years ago. Wimbledon, have your spot back. MK Dons back to league two. Consider yourselves luckier there.
2: I'm glad that um Alan Smith has ended his association with that football club and instead now concentrating on being a wannabe Andrea Tabanelli at Notts County <laughs> instead.
1: We, we need on the Brentford game, one thing we do need to celebrate is the three o'clock Saturday kickoff. Ah, is that's it the first true. one? It is I think isn't it?
2: Yeah I think it's certainly our first home one. Bloody hell. But you know who is at the club that shall not be named? If it's the same guy, I think David Martin's their goalkeeper.
1: Isn't he the guy who shot that burglar?
2: Mm, I think so. Mm. Didn't he used to play for us? No, it's a different David Martin. Is it? The guy who
1: makes the dog food.
2: (laughs) Didn't we have a goalkeeper called David Martin? He was like an understudy to poor Ahobka. Look, I'm going to settle this now. David, Edward, Martin. He's 29 years old, his place of birth is Romford, and he's never had any involvement with Leeds United Football Club <laughs> whatsoever. Are you
1: thinking of Alan Martin?
2: Yeah, I think I am.
1: <laughs> Scottish goalkeeper who never played. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not him. <laughs>
3: oh, fantastic. Right, um, then we've <laughs> got Middlesbrough away. I'm
2: this son- guy actually is a Champions League runner-up.
1: Oh, Middlesbrough away, Moscow, you can talk about, you know.
2: One of the greatest moments in uh, football i ever seen. Luciano's volley <laughs> it's been capped off. It's been a while, isn't it? Capped off with Luciano's English language interview, in which he spoke it like a king. He um, said all that needed to be said, and let's not forget that Sol Bamba um, attempted to imitate him with um, an interview on the pitch after the Middlesbrough game, but really not quite up to the level that. Uh, that Becchio took it until some Bam- soul Bamber is on the pitch at, in the Riverside, swearing like a fucking trooper. He won't be a true Leeds United legend in my eyes.
3: Are we on Sky again for this one? One fifteen kickoff on the Sunday, I presume we are. Yeah, probably.
1: Probably. Sky Why are we not on against Brentford? What's happened there? I don't know. Yeah, somebody slipped up. We always beat Middlebro don't we?
3: Oh, that, that's a that's a dangerous thing in itself, isn't it? Because we're going to go
2: there and expect to win.
1: They are a good team though, which is a shame.
3: Hmm.
2: Are they not? You get this with Middlesbrough every season, where like, signed some good players, got Jonathan Woodgate in defence. I think, well, yeah, that sounds good. But then we go there and beat them because they're rubbish.
3: Well, they're doing all right in the minute the six, but I, I, from what I've read online, um, the, the main criticism of their of their manager, who appears to I mean, it's gotten playing very, very well, is that he doesn't have a plan B. We
1: could I mean, just be extraordinarily lucky like we were last time, where they just kept kicking the ball directly at Silvestri.
2: When you look at their midfield, Adam Clayton, Grant Ledbitter... Stuart Downing, that feels like, you know when you're playing football manager or something, you're in the championship and you want to sign some really good players, but we want to keep it realistic. So you're not going to sign Messi. You've got Grant Ledbetter, he's a good solid winger. He's 29, experienced, good for this level. And then you realise, actually, he's just a bit rubbish. So I think they've got like a team full of, David Nugent is another one. It's kind of like, oh, coming down from the Premier League, he'll be good. And then, yeah, three appearances, no goals. That's what he's got so this far. This is
3: an absolute nailed-on win for Borough now, isn't it? Nailed-on. Nah, not Nugent
1: at all. Nugent with a hat-trick. Nugent, you're forgetting, is an England international.
2: I'm not forgetting he's an England goal scorer as well.
1: His international record speaks for itself. One goal in one game.
2: Better 100- than Rooney.
1: 100% record, that is.
2: Yeah, David Nugent, better than Wayne Rooney, for I'm going to say. Right,
3: seriously, let's rein it back in. What do we need to do in these next four games? What are your thoughts on it? Win
2: them all.
1: Yeah, win, yeah that'd be ideal, wouldn't it? We can win them all, score, um, score goals, loads of goals. Not con- but- not concede any, Mary. butaka goals. I'd like to see butaka get through these games without tearing any ligaments. Mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. I've just looked him up on whoscored.com, by the way. Forward, right wing, strengths, dribbling, aerial duels, which is surprising and crossing. He's a big winger. Uh, he likes to dribble and he does not dive into tackles. Um, his weaknesses are holding on to the ball and finishing. I'm going to say that his uh, not diving into tackles and weakness at holding onto the ball says that he's a bit soft. i sign a bit of a softie. But um, if he can dance around them with his fairy feet, not a problem. Then he'll then be as soft as he wants. Up. And they will get absolutely broken and his ligaments will just collapse. Do ligaments collapse? or No, they snap, don't they? That's what you do with a ligament. We'll all be able to hear it.
0: The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight.
2: This is the fortnightly award that
3: we give to somebody who has bestowed misery upon us as Leeds United fans because that's what our existence is all about. So we like to reward them uh, once a fortnight with the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight award. Uh, it has been a quiet fortnight, really, because uh, the international break and all that. Obviously, we have to give Ken his customary nomination. What What's it for this time?
2: Calling his granddaughter Plum. Okay. Who else do you want to nominate? Forrest Jerry. Mm. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. Wanker was he thinking Well, of?
1: The rumours that was that it was too far north for him in Leeds. Sheffield, really? Well, Does he value 45 minutes that much?
3: I'd you what, I'd do anything to be 45 minutes away from Sheffield. Bloody
2: hell.
1: Anyway, he likes it.
2: I'm with Chilino on this one. He's basically scum. And I think I wrote something about this the other week. This seems like a, a cool new tactic that Chilino's got, where if you bid for a player that you know that you've got no chance of signing, it makes you look really good. Because when the player doesn't come, you could just say to everybody, "Hey, I offered him everything he wanted. He he he, do, he do not love the Leeds like I love the Leeds. I paid four million for him, and he's obviously not actually had to pay a penny. I paid four million for ESG. I make a Leeds player. He do not want to come. He hate he hate Leeds, and so everybody's like, you know what? You're right. You paid four million pounds for that guy. Five million pounds. For that guy. it's probably get bigger and bigger and more rate. You paid twenty million pounds for that guy, and he's gone to play for Sheffield Wednesday." Rub his hands I'm never going to sign that guy. <laughs> never, never, never. Anybody else? Wayne Rooney. for Just being on the telly all the time. Mm. Sick of it now. Mm. I think the, the correct response to him breaking Bobby Charlton's record was the people who just pointed out that Gary Lineker's goal-scoring record in tournaments... That's where it's at. Do it where it matters. Forty-nine goals and a bunch of fluffy did it With England a broken arm as well,
1: didn't he? A broken arm,
2: exactly. And also, and he shot himself
1: in uh, Italian ninety. If yeah, you remember that?
2: He basically did everything to score for England. Wayne Rooney. Somebody else said that, that they actually kind of admired the fact that he'd managed to score forty-nine goals for England without once ever looking remotely asked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just sick of he seeing was his big for potato to face. Begin with, wasn't he? Well, because he was an Everton player in those days, yeah. and people like Everton, well, like, the like, toffee men.
3: Like all our heroes in this country, we put them on a pedestal and then we twat them right off that pedestal.
2: Wayne Rooney might have been a hero to most, but he never meant the goddamn thing to me. He's just a straight-out Nazi, just like Pat Nevin.
3: Any more candidates, or do we want to just award it to Forestieri
1: well, now? Well, or? on the international front, it's, mm. he's got very little to do with, with Leeds, but the San Marino thing just reminded me. Lithuania for, for ruining San Marino's day Did you see that? The no It was one all. San Marino scored their first away goal in 14 years um, and, bo- and they went absolutely apeshit It was brilliant Considering I mean they've got as they always have zero points goal difference of about minus 90 mm-hmm. and they scored a goal and every, all the coaching staff ran on the pitch there was a big pile on. it was great and, 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 then, tearing up. and then Lithuania scored in the last minute
3: How does that um, impact on our lives as Leeds fans?
1: It doesn't really but there's not there's not been any Leeds games as they say You know <sighs> Been a quiet week. Not much hate about.
3: Should we just give it to Forestieri then, because there are no other candidates?
1: We will play show For Wednesday. Give it to Dave Jones.
3: Uh, just to wind him up. Mm, seems a bit of a rank outside. I've, I've, I can't really look any further than Forestieri. He's the only one who's uh, darkened our our name, hasn't he? In the last uh, in the last few weeks.
1: But on the off chance Dave Jones is listening, <laughs> should we give it to Dave Jones. It would upset him.
3: Congratulations, Dave Jones. You are the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight.
0: Any other business?
3: John Howe's book competition. Not before time. Oh, we're going to give that book away at last. <laughs> yes, we are in the next podcast. Um, anything else folks, here on the line?
2: Uh, we've got a magazine coming out. Which one is this, issue it's, two? Issue two. It is much easier to get hold of than John Howe's book. The cover is a lovely, beautiful image of Tony Oboa drawn. Drawn? I think it might even be a digital painting by... A computer drawing? That's, that sounds novel. It, we're getting very modern uh, these days. a <laughs>
1: computer draw it, or was it a man? It was a I'm man. Not, I'm not comfortable with our jobs being taken by computers. It was a man. They with, come
2: over here. To, yeah, A man named Rhys Lowry has done it, and when you see it, you'll love it. Um, and we have more Yaboa artwork in the centre pages, as previously mentioned, which is by Kieran Carroll, and that looks bloody great as well. And um, there are also, not to leave out the fact that Joe Gamble... Uh, one of our favourites has drawn some Tony Bauer images from his days in Germany. Well, the, oh, there's uh, other stuff that's in there. I'm going to throw some words at you now. Wingers. Hashtag wingers. Yeah, wine Winehouse talking about wingers and whether we even remember what they are or what to do with them anymore. Murphy, An apology to uh, Murphy from Tom Carnduff, who uh, was a little bit hard on him after he got sent off against Bradford last year. Um, but he now feels like he was wrong manifesto john howe apparently a, an author although i've not seen any any of his work he uh outlined the least night manifesto in issue one and now it's an update in issue two on how things are going forestieri that's andy p talking about how Massimo gilino has missed out on something that he really wanted for once
3: um yeah there's loads of other stuff in there all the usual crap as well diary tactics truck all sorts of gobbins. It's um, 84 pages. So eight, I can't be expected to remember what's on every yeah, single be here, one. We, we could be here all oh, night. Oh, there's an
2: interview with Michael Bridges. Who? Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges. Yes. And Most of the lovely, pages are uh,
1: photos of boa it sounds like. Mm.
2: Well, that's even, yeah, the Michael Bridges article is illustrated with photographs of Tony Boa. No, it's got some great drawings of uh, images of um, Michael Bridges. In that, I still love that pale blue Packard Bell kit. The Lazio one. The Lazio kit. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've got Something one of those. I've still, got one too, but still
1: but it's got QL nineteen written on the back.
2: We saw what happened to Alex Mowat. What actually late vote for Villain of the Fortnight, Alex Moit, for daring to uh post that picture of a uh, QL shirt on his on Twitter without um without thinking first. But we can, he can always make up for it with his, cause he's a great rapper. And
3: finally make sure you uh you have a look on the website, Facebook, Twitter, you can reach us all over the place. You can get us on the new Acast app as well. If you don't mind doing that, listen to us there. And you can support us. It does carry a couple of little adverts, but it helps support us. We need support. We need help. Help us. Prop us up. See us through this crisis.
2: What do we need help and crisis for?
3: I don't know. They're just words. Anyway, iTunes as well. Stop seeking a better life. Podcast at the squareball.net if you want to take us in as refugees. Um, and I think that's us done for now. We might be back in a fortnight. It might be three weeks, depending on our work. All very exciting, but look forward to uh, to speaking to you soon. Bye from me and Michael. Bye. And Moscow White. Bye-bye. We look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for having us on. See you later.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
3: Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast.